Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. There you go. The big free agency in 2019 that we were all jacked up about. It's all gone to now. It's all gone. Remember that back in 2019? They took Antonio Brown. They gave him a three-year, $50 million contract after trading him for a third and a fifth rounder. He's gone. Tyrell Williams already mentioned it, but he's gone. They gave him a four-year, $44 million deal at the time. Safety LaMarcus Joyner. He's gone. Cut after two seasons. Four years, $42 million is what they gave him. Trent Brown. Traded for a pick swap. They save $14 million in cap space, but they trade with the Patriots, and what they do is they trade spots with the Pats in 2022 in the fifth in the seventh round. So, goodbye 2019 free agency. Mike Mayock and John Gruden officially are on the clock. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Black Hole Sundays. I am your host, Stephen Langford. Of course, you know me from the pregame show on 95.7 The Game from 5 to 6 a.m. And thank you to 95.7 for letting me do this. Very fun episode today. It's really, you got free agency coming up. The legal tampering period begins on Monday, and then they officially put pen to paper on the 17th on St. Patty's Day. So we got a little while till that happens. But actually, it's not even a while. It's very, very close. It keeps on feeling like a while, but it's next week. We have Vinny Bonsignor on the podcast today. He is the Raiders' lead beat writer for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He is also the host of In the Huddle from 4 to 6 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio in Vegas. And if you want to check him out uh, live, you can go to lvsportsnetwork.com. The podcasts are also posted there, and you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Bonsignor, B-O-N-S-I-G-N-O-R-E is how you spell the last name. And if you're not following him and you're a Raider fan already, well, if you want to get the latest news and updates, uh, I recommend you do. But we have him on the podcast today, and he broke everything down. You've heard, you've heard me on this podcast try and play GM. 
fake smart GM Steve and try to guess the salary cap. I'm like, it's anywhere between 180 and 185 million, and you never really know with that. But uh, we had Vinny on so that we can just get some things cleared up with what's going on. But again, the latest Trent Brown gone, Lamarcus Joyner gone. They restructured the contract for Corey Littleton. We still await Marcus Mariota to see what happens with him. Vinny gave an update on that. And also some big names that he is paying attention to because Leonard Williams, like I mentioned, he's off the table. Yannick Ngakwe, I wanted him. He's off the table. So there are plenty others on the board, and there are a couple of names that Vinny mentioned uh, which are pretty interesting, but this is it. This is the year to me after seeing 2019 pan out the way it panned out, and maybe it's not Gruden on the clock, but certainly Mike Mayock, the clock is ticking down on him. He has to get this right. They need to be better than 8-8. Eight and eight. You need to make a splash here in free agency. You need to draft the right fit. And you're hiring Gus Bradley as the defensive coordinator. You and John Gruden doing that, doing a both obviously making that hire and making that decision. They're going to have to be the ones who get this done. And this next week is going to be absolutely crucial going forward as they essentially just dumped every single big contract on their team that was taking up some of the salary cap. And luckily, unlike the Raiders of years past, there's not that much dead cap money uh, in which they'll be spending. It's about $4 million. So enough of me. Let's get to the interview. Vinny Bonsignor of the Las Vegas Review-Journal. We're not posing for football cards. Let's play with some speed. I'm very happy right now to be joined by Vinny Bonsignor. He is the Raiders lead beat writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal and also the host of In the Huddle from 4 to 6 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM in Vegas. Thanks so much for joining me, Vinny. How you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Oh, man, we're all right here uh, over in the Bay Area. A little cold right now, but uh, we're doing okay. And um, just wanted to talk to you first off, Vinny. You were in L.A. for over 20 years. You were covering the Rams, and you also broke the news that the Raiders would be moving to Vegas. And so I just wanted to ask, what's that transition been like going from Los Angeles all the way to Las Vegas? Well, I have to say this, and I've told uh, you know uh, a lot of people this very same thing. I'm almost sad that I don't miss California as much as I uh, do. And, um, yeah. you know, and I, and I love California. Uh, you, you just mentioned that I spent a lot of time there, basically grew up in California. Uh, absolutely love it. Um, but, uh, you know, and there was some reluctance to move into Las Vegas. The, you know, the only thing that I knew about Las Vegas was flying in or driving in from LA and going to the strip and spending a couple uh, uh, days there and, and heading back home. And that's really the only idea that I had of Las Vegas or, or impression that I had of Las Vegas. Well, it's anything but, I mean, there is obviously that uh, part of it. Um, but there's great neighborhoods and great communities, um, not far from all the fun, but far enough. And it's a growing community and clean and new. And I live uh, eight minutes away from the Raiders practice facility, 15 minutes away from the stadium. And that was never, ever, ever the case working in Los Angeles. It was always a long haul, no matter where you wanted to go. Uh, uh, even if, even if it was relatively close, it was never close enough because of the traffic. So uh, I'm loving it, and I know the writers, you know, um, feel like they've basically hit a grand slam, um, you know, moving here. And that's nothing against Los Angeles or, you know, the Bay Area, uh, two places that they that they, um, you know, uh, made their home. 
but this is that this really is a, a a great and growing community, and it puts them in close proximity to their uh, many and legions of fans that still remain in the Bay Area and in Southern California. So. Couldn't have picked a better place for them. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure you know paying the housing prices when you got over there made uh, moving a little bit easier. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but uh, getting to Allegiant Stadium, I mean, you know, we didn't have fans in there, and you're one of the few people who has actually uh, experienced it. So, to me, I wanted to ask you, what impressed you the most uh, about Allegiant Stadium? Because from you know the television standpoint, it looks awesome. Yeah, and, and, and it definitely is. Um, you know, a lot of credit goes to the Raiders and the state of Nevada uh, for, for putting that whole project uh, together. Uh, it's interesting because tracking that stadium compared to SoFi Stadium, you know, my years in, in, in Los Angeles, you know, I would say once you get inside, um, SoFi Stadium is just, that's next, next level. Um, and, and, uh, and whereas Allegiant Stadium is definitely next level. It's beautiful uh, inside. It's new, obviously. It's you know, for the Raiders coming from where they were coming from, um, it's just a, a new, an entirely new world. And the one edge that I give Allegiant Stadium, um, you know, over SoFi is like if you didn't know where SoFi Stadium was, like it's it's hard to you you have to like literally drive there to actually see it. Um, you know, whereas uh, tucked away in Inglewood, um, you know, where the forum was, where the Lakers used to play. If you're from California, you know it, but like, if you're just driving along the freeway, you're not going to see it. Right. Um, whereas, you know, here in, here in Las Vegas, it's like, it's right off the strip, right off the 15 freeway, which, you know, it's, you have to drive the 15 freeway to get to the, to get to, uh, the strip basically. And you're always going to pass it, whether you're coming from California or going from Utah to California, you're going to see it. It's just right there, and it and it you know it's it's very Raider centric. You can't mistake whose stadium that is. And you know I try to tell people this all the time. Had it worked in you know California, whether or or in Los Los Angeles, whether they were going to team up with the Chargers and Carson, or eventually join the Rams in Inglewood, they would have never had that distinctly Raiders imprint and feel um, because they would have always been sharing that stadium uh, with with one or the other team and it wouldn't have been you know uh, it, it, you couldn't have distinguished it just as a Raider stadium uh, here in yeah. Las Vegas there's no question that that's the Raider stadium from the colors the design and and everything and so that's the edge I give it over over SoFi Stadium is the, is the uh, location um, and then once you get inside it's obviously brand new and beautiful yeah, yeah, and you got you know you got T-Mobile Arena right on the other side of the freeway. Then you got Allegiant Stadium on the on on the complete opposite side. Two completely different looking stadiums. You could you could tell which one is the Raiders facility for sure. Yep, absolutely. So, um, I just wanted to get an update real quick because there are so many numbers being thrown around, Vinny, and we finally got a salary cap set at one hundred eighty-two and a half million, and. You know, I've been going on and on on this podcast talking about the players that they've released and the uh, the money that they've saved. But where is the official number at now as far as how much they actually have to spend in free agency coming up? Yeah, and uh, just as a reminder, um, you know, when you when you see the salary cap, uh, it's not always as it seems. And in the Raiders' case, uh, they actually benefited from some rollovers from from last year, so their cap is actually about 190 million, just a little over 190 million. Um, so it's just kind of complicated how it all works out, but that's, that's the number that the Raiders are playing with right now, uh, about 190, uh, a little bit over $190 million. 
And at last um, uh, glance, they're, they're right around $33, $34 million under the salary cap. Uh, but I, I think that's going to – and that's accounting for Gabe Jackson. Uh, that move hasn't been made official, but – you know, I think one way or another, whether they restructure them or trade them or release them, that's probably likely to come off the books, the 9.7. Uh, so that 33-34 reflects that, potent, that, that likely move. Uh, but that can also grow uh, by o- almost another $11 million uh, if they release or trade Marcus Mariota. There's expectation that that's going to happen. Um, and now with Cam Newton going back to, to New England, um, you wonder where that quarterback uh, market might be in terms of a trade uh, for Marcus Mariota. So that seems to be dwindling. So more than likely he'll get released. So you're looking right there. If they don't make any other moves beyond that, um, you're looking at about $43 million that they're going to be able to spend on their salary, under the salary cap. And as far as my calculation, and my calculation is, you know, looking at Spotrack, but uh, <laughs> according to my calculations here, that would at least put them within the top 10 as far as the room that they got to uh, to spend in the NFL. So um, my next question being, are there any big name free agents out there that they have an eye on? I know um, the, the first real report I saw was from you when you mentioned that they had a free agent visit with visit with AJ Boye and, and nothing's to come of that. It seems like it's just a visit as of right now. But are there any big name free agents that uh, you have an eye on? Yeah, and uh, you, you actually just caught me. I'm writing my uh, free agency primer uh, right now, and um, I think that there's two guys that 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 I have as almost must-haves for the for the Raiders. Um, and one is um, the uh, uh, Rams uh, safety, John Johnson. I think I think he just fits like a glove um, here with the Raiders for a lot of different reasons. One, he upgrades dramatically. Uh, their free safety position, but it also it, it, there's a ripple effect uh, with with him. A, he's going to help the young cornerbacks, um, you know, Damon Arnett and and um, and Trayvon Mullen. Uh, just be, for them knowing that they've got a player like that back there that's kind of got their back. I think it's going to allow them, you know, to play a little bit more confidently, maybe a little bit more aggressively, and then it allows Jonathan Abram to be used the way that in a way that better suits his talent. Uh, maybe closer to the line of scrimmage where he doesn't have to, you know, defend in the pass coverage, wider areas of space. He can kind of be, you know, closed in and 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 defend uh, smaller uh, uh, space. And in addition to that, allow him to to play the run and make plays and rush the passer, just do the things that he's capable of doing. So that's one guy that I think that the Raiders almost have to be in on. And the other um, is defensive tackle uh, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson from the Giants. Uh, he's getting better in the pass rush. He's been an elite run uh, defender for for a while now, and uh, I just think that him opposite Maurice Hurst really helps solidify the interior of the Raiders' defense, and it also would help uh, the young defensive ends as well because he's he's known to you know really take up space, eat up double teams, uh, and allow the edge rushers you know a little bit more room to to be able to operate in the in the pass rush. So those are two guys that. Uh, fit with the Raiders, uh, fit needs for for them, um, are, you know, kind of fit that profile of young, in their prime uh, players, and uh, you know, obviously this it's going to cost money, uh, but I think they have the money to make it work, um, and, and I think if you're talking about two splashy moves, uh, that's that I would keep my eye, uh, an eye on those two players. 
And, and we'll get to the Raiders free agents and who they hope to sign eventually. But, um, you know, obviously the offensive line is the biggest position that they made changes to uh, this offseason with Richie Incognito and, as you mentioned, Gabe Jackson, and then the big one uh, being Trent Brown. Do you think they're looking to make an upgrade with the offensive line through free agency, uh, the draft, or do you think they're going to stick with their guys like uh, John Simpson, fourth-round pick, and, and Brandon Parker, who served as pretty serviceable backups last year, in my opinion? Yeah, I, I think that, um, I, you know, as it relates to the offensive line, I think um, Denzel Good is somebody that they're probably, uh, you know, going to want to bring back. Right. Um, I think they do bring back Richie Incognito, um, although with, you know, uh, a lot of players hitting the, hitting the market, um, you know, they, they may be able to find uh, an even better bargain um, at, at that position. Uh, but let, let's just go on the premise that they bring back Incognito, they bring back Denzel Good. You know, uh, now you have your, your your guards taken care of again. You have John Simpson, who you mentioned, uh, as kind of an insurance just in case Incognito um, isn't able to get through the season. Um, and then, so if you if you look at it from that premise, then then really they have to just replace the right tackle. And uh, and as you see, you know, around the league right now, there's a lot of there's a lot of players that are starting to hit the, the veteran players that are starting to hit the open market as kind of cap casualties. Mitchell Schwartz, Eric Fisher, uh, the two tackles from the from the Chiefs. I keep an eye on uh, Mitchell Schwartz uh, for sure, uh, kind of at a, at a at a bargain to be able to just slot in um, as as Trent Brown's replacement and really provide. Assuming his you know uh, okay from the from the injuries, which all indications are that that he that he is. He's a huge upgrade because you're really not replacing Trent Brown. He hadn't been in the lineup consistently for a while now. Um, you're 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 replacing Sam Young and you're replacing Brandon Parker and everyone else that they ran out there uh, at right tackle last year. So uh, that would be a, a pretty big upgrade, and, and it probably isn't going to cost a whole lot of money. So assuming they bring back Denzel Good, assuming they bring back Richie Incognito, that kind of allows them now to just sort of singularly focus on that right tackle position. And, I mean, we just got an update from Ian Rappaport, uh, who mentioned that the Chargers released Pro Bowl guard Trey Turner. So, and they save uh, $11 million in cap space there. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on on all of that. And, you know, sticking with the Raiders free agents, you, you mentioned Denzel Good, who um, I really liked last year. I thought for the value that they got him at, it's, um, you know, he's a veteran lineman, really liked him. Uh, but Nelson Aguilar and Nicholas Morrow are a couple of guys that, I heard Gruden just talk so highly of, and, you know, despite the reports of the locker room outburst, it seemed that Gruden and Mayock both really like Aguilar. Uh, What do you see as the price point for him? Um, Because it feels like to me that the Raiders would want to pay him as much as possible, more than any other team, because he has that veteran voice that they need. You're talking about Nelson? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'd I'd say that... um... You know, two years, sixteen million dollars. You know, maybe fully guaranteed um, is probably because there's there's going to be a lot of wide receivers uh, on the market, um, and and you know, you know, we're dealing with a, a cap that that went down for the first time in, in decades. Uh, so, and and you know, Nelson had a had a very very good year, uh, but is it a year that you know puts him into the upper echelon uh, in this free agency class? I still don't see that. Um, I think that you know his his. His, he, he fits here. He likes it here. I don't think that anyone's going to break the bank for him. Uh, so I would, I would see, I would say that that uh, right around that two years, sixteen million dollars. Um, you know, uh, if you want to go two years, twenty million dollars, where you 
offset it a little bit with a, with a uh, with a signing bonus, um, you know, somewhere around that range. But I don't expect them to to really break the bank in any in, in any meaningful way. And I think that the Raiders are in good position to bring him back. And how about Nicholas Morrow? Do you expect uh, them to sign him to a new deal as well? Um, I, 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 I do. I think that I'm sure he's kind of curious to see what might be out there for him. That might be a case where, um, you know, they, they, they give him the old, hey, go check out what you, what, what's available to him and then check back with us, you know, um, uh, so we can, you know, talk about, uh, figure out what your market is and then bring it back to us and, and we'll have a decision to make on whether we'll be able to match it or not. Um, you know, I think Morrow is is a you know showed that he was a, a capable player uh, last year, but there might be better options, you know, in free agency for the Raiders. Somebody that pre, you know uh, presents more certainty uh, than than a guy that played good for one year. Uh, so I, I I think that that's going to be kind of a wait and see type of a situation. And sticking with the linebacker position and moving on just a little bit from free agency, obviously they restructured uh, Corey Littleton's contract. And you having covered the Rams and being in L.A., I'm sure you were there and and saw Corey Littleton come up from being an undrafted free agent to being a pro bowler. Um, What did you see from last year? What do you attribute the drop-off to? And do you think that bringing in Gus Bradley is, is what Corey Littleton needs in order to get back to that pro bowl type of status? Yeah, and a little side note: I actually ran into uh, Corey just a couple of days ago, pumping gas. We were both getting our, getting filling up our cars, two oh, different nice. cars, I might add. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he looks great. He looks in tremendous shape. I thought last year he looked a little bit light, um, and I think you know, I, I know going back to my Rams coverage days, you know, he has he he's he he burns calories, man. He's just, I mean, he, he's like a furnace. So, you know, maintaining weight, keeping weight um, is, is always sort of a challenge for him. And, uh, you know, I think that not having the OTAs last year, not having the buildings available to players might have, might have you know, set him back a little bit physically. Um, but he looks really, really good right now, uh, at least right now. And I, and, I, and I think that, you know, if you go back to last year, toward the end of the season after the Raiders made the uh, – the defensive coordinator switch, he started playing a lot better. He finished pretty strong. And to me, he looked more like the Corey Littleton that I remember uh, in Los Angeles. The guy that that Raider fans saw last year um, was like an imposter. It just wasn't the same player. And, you know, I think some of that has to do with, you know, moving to a new system. Some of it has to do with how he was being utilized by, by Paul Gunther. Um, you know, maybe maybe trying to fit into a new team, not having a an off season. Um, and, and you know, I, I I know Corey, and I know uh, it eats at him that he didn't play uh, as well as he expected, and everyone else did. Um, but he owned it, and I know that you know how conscientious he is and how much he cares. Uh, he's not going to settle for that. You know, I think he's going to come back uh, with a bit of a vengeance, and I think coupled with you know the, the the defensive system that Gus Bradley is being in, kind of how it, it's a little bit more uh, player friendly. Uh, let's put it put, just put it that way. Uh, and also yeah. Richard Smith, the linebacker coach that that he brought with them, has a has a long and and and, and good history of of uh, of getting the most out of his linebackers. I think that whole combination of things um, is, is going to result in a different Corey Littleton. Uh, I refuse to believe that he forgot how to play football. I, I just I can't. That's not possible. Um, so something was up. And um, I think that he bounces back. And if he does, 
that's kind of like getting a new. That's like getting a free agent signing uh, this year because again, that Corey Littleton last year wasn't the Corey Littleton uh, that that I remember. Yeah, and you know they didn't have four weeks of preseason uh, to go along with it, and exactly. not, not a lot of time to get the uh, the training in, and you know understanding the communication, which. According to Will Compton, apparently Paul Gunther would change that week <laughs> yeah. by week. So, right, right, so, exactly. Yeah, it's tough to tough to come in on a new team with that situation. Um, but looking for looking forward to the draft, they got the seventeenth overall pick, and you know I, I would ask you, you know, if you're a best player available guy or a position need guy, but really it's the seventeenth pick. You you never know who can be that best player available. So, uh, what position do you feel like the Raiders need to fill uh, with that first round pick at number seventeen? Well, you know, a lot of it is predicated on uh, what happens in free agency. But if 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 we're following my blueprint, um, yep. you know, uh, which which we might just burn, you know, uh, in a week or so after none of it comes to fruition, um, you know, uh, if you go by the, the what I'm what I'm kind of drawing up, I think that you know they 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 go splash on the on the free safety with John Johnson and the interior defensive lineman um and then maybe sit back a little bit and and let the market come to them uh elsewhere Melvin Ingram is a guy that he just put something else put something on Instagram where he was it looked like either a a, a high-rise apartment or a hotel here in Las Vegas that said Las Vegas you know uh coming soon something along those lines so mm-hmm. Read between what you know. Maybe he's got a big poker tournament coming up. I don't know, but uh, (laughs) it sure seems like he might be following Gus Bradley uh, here to Las Vegas. Um, So, so what I'm saying, I guess, is if you make the big splash at interior defensive line and free safety, then I think you probably, if you're the Raiders, go uh, edge rush a young edge rusher. um, You know, in the draft with that 17th pick and. Um, you know, there's the two kids from Miami come to mind. There's, there's, I think there's going to be talent, um, you know, at that position and at that, at that spot in the draft. And, uh, if you do bring in a Melvin Ingram and whoever else in free agency, you're, you're going to be able to maybe ease that, that rookie, uh, into, into the, um, fray, uh, a little bit so that you're not necessarily counting on them from, from day one. Although there are some guys that, you know, if the, if the, if the draft breaks, well for them that they can count on to be a, a, a day one uh, kind of an impact player. So that's where if I'm looking at things and if the if the blueprint that I'm drawing up kind of you know uh, is is somewhat followed um, or breaks that way, then then yeah, with that first pick, I would expect them to go edge. Uh, now, if they're able to make a bigger splash uh, with, with the edge rusher in in free agency um then maybe you're looking at an interior defensive line or that tackle position at some point that's going to have to be addressed on a long-range basis and this really is a good draft for for tackle so if you if you're following the best player available that it might actually be a, a tackle so um you know we'll see uh, come april and, and you know what? And you, you've got my head spinning a little bit here with John Johnson because if you bring in a, a free safety who can actually cover a majority of the field, maybe you can put Jonathan Abram in a in a Jamal Adams type role uh, from strong safety and play him up in the no box and, and have him stop the run. And and that's where you know that's where he made a majority of his good plays uh, last season. Vinny Bonsignor, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Of course, he is the lead beat writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal for the Raiders and host of In the Huddle from 4 to 6 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio in Vegas. Thanks so much, Vinny, for joining the uh, the Black Hole Sundays podcast. All right, guys. Thank you, and have a great day. We'll talk to you later down the road. I love it. You know, I sit in my office and I just shake. I get so excited. <laughs>
So there you go. There are a couple of names to pay attention to. John Johnson from the L.A. Rams and Dalvin Tomlinson, who was a defensive tackle with the New York Gi- with the New York Giants. And, you know, that was interesting. I didn't think that, you know, even though they cut Incognito, there'd be a chance of possibly signing him back. But with how the free agent market turns out with these offensive linemen, they're going to need to build something there so they can protect Derek Carr if they do stick with Derek Carr, and I'll assume they will going into the 2021 season. And something I didn't ask him about, which totally slipped my mind and forgot to put in my notes here, but I do wonder if they're going to sign Devontae Booker to another deal um, just to have him be the backup. But if you can bring back Nelson Aguilar, Denzel Good, Nicholas Morrow, and Devontae Booker, I mean, I know it's not the sexiest of names, but they made for some nice pieces on this Raider team last year. So we'll see what they do coming up. Again, the legal tampering window starts on Monday, and then they can officially be be signed on the 17th. But have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to Black Coal Sundays. You can catch me on the pregame show on 95.7 The Game from 5 to 6 a.m. Thank you to 95.7 The Game for letting me do this. You can catch the podcast on the radio.com app, or you can catch it anywhere you get your podcast. Just search up the pregame show with Stephen Langford, and you'll find every Black Hole Sundays episode right there. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this podcast. Thank you to Vinny Bonsignor for joining the episode. Have a great weekend, everybody.